What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And Bart, the season is chugging along. It's late April. And, you know, I had a thought um, before we came on today. Um, rookies have been a little disappointing this season, but it seems like mm-hmm. the year of the post-hype sleeper. And I, I, I've talked about this in the preseason. I've talked about it uh, in the early weeks of the season this year. I, I just love drafting post-hype sleeper players because you always get such a nice discount. And it's a tough game, this game of baseball. You know, they say hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in professional sports. And um, you can certainly see that with um, some rookies this season having the struggles, uh, riding the struggle bus. Uh, Some of these guys that rode that struggle bus last year are starting to uh, find their groove here in year two. It's a good call. I mean, we talked a lot last week about guys like Josh Lowe, Jared Kalanick, uh, Nolan Gorman. Guys who we talked about a lot last year. I know Alex Kirloff is coming up, so I know you like him a lot. And, I mean, maybe he's the next one. Uh, he's burning up in AAA. You were talking about him before we started the show, and maybe he's the next one. We'll be talking about him next week or something because, yeah, you, you do. You get a good good discount on them. And then uh, the rookies this year, you know, the Brett Beatties, the Jordan Walkers, you know, these guys are struggling uh, a little bit now. So, uh, looking ahead to next year, maybe you'll get a good discount on them in 2024. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's when I'll be buying because you know the price for these these high high prospect rookies in drafts is uh, exorbitantly high. So oftentimes, I mean, it's it's different if it's a keeper league. You got to do what you got to do. But in a redraft, in particular, I find those players are often overvalued in drafts. And uh, you know, the upside is exciting, but uh, there's probably a more of a chance that they're going to have uh, some bumps in the road before they uh, come close to reaching that potential. Um, so uh, we have new rankings up on the site. It's Tuesday night here on the East Coast, and we have a top 500. We've reached 500 players ranked over at rosrankings.com. So you can mm-hmm. go over there free of charge and see Bart and my rankings uh, for rest of season value. This is, of course, coming at it from a 5 by 5 Roto Categories League perspective um, and a 12-team perspective. So we are uh, emphasizing a little more that upside we were just talking about, but um, we're also, you know, adjusting as we see which players uh, seem to uh, be acclimating quickly to the big leagues and which players are not. Um, so let's talk about some of our movers and shakers like we love to do. And uh, let's start with some of those post-type sleepers. Um, a couple guys uh, we haven't uh, mentioned yet. Uh, one guy I picked up in my league last week, and I've been loving it so far, is Jaron Duran. Uh, mm-hmm. He just hit a home run tonight, a grand slam, in fact. Uh, so his roster percentage is 12% in Yahoo right now. I expect that it is going to continue to rise. And this is a guy who uh, really struggled uh, his first go-around in the big leagues. Um but he's he's a dynamic prospect, you know. Uh, I think um, a lot of what we were talking about last week with Josh Lowe, I think, also applies uh, to Jaron Duran because he's a player that he's an outfielder uh, in an AL East team who can uh, give you some pop and some speed, uh, and it's all about the the plate skills, you know. Um, and he just looks like a totally different hitter uh, than he did last season. I think. He's one of these guys, maybe somewhat like Jared Kelnick, who um, didn't handle the pressure so well initially, um, but 
he's starting to find a groove. I mean, he's still swinging and missing a fair amount um, so far this season, but uh, he's had a hit in every game, I think, except for one and multiple hits in most of them. So he's putting up some really nice numbers uh, in that Boston offense right now. Yeah, and I mean, he's batting toward the bottom of the order, but, you know, that Boston offense, I could see him moving up. I could see him batting leadoff even in that in that lineup. So, yeah, he's someone who has that speed like you talked about, uh, you know, the Grand Slam, stuff like that tonight against my Orioles. It was against the Orioles. They're playing each other tonight, aren't they? Yeah. Man. Yeah, stuff like that, you know, that's that's icing on the cake. I feel like Duran's the kind of guy who can really burn it up on the base paths, maybe score a lot of runs if he can get toward the top of that order. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, the the guy that I mentioned at the top, Kirilov, I guess we, we should talk about him because he's on our list, <laughs> and he's only 7% rostered, I believe, uh, in Yahoo. Uh, let's see, 7 yeah, seven 7% rostered. You know, people might be stashing him on, on the IL because he's technically on the IL right now, but I'm looking at his Fangraphs page, and yeah, he's played four games at AAA and hit a couple homers, uh, a stolen base, batting 462. Small sample, but it's just nice to see that he's not – you know, just like striking out a ton and in and, and those that small sample size. I'm sure he'll come up pretty soon and it's it's all about the wrist, right? If he can if he can be healthy and stay healthy, uh Kirilov could be uh like Kelnick, uh, who's ripping it up right now. We were talking about these two guys sort of in tandem uh, the last year or so. So look look for Kirilov, pick him up if you have an I L stash, put him in there. Yeah, I mean he doesn't offer the uh the stolen bases that uh Kelnick potentially could but I think he's got a better approach at the plate honestly and I mean that is one thing about Kelnick is he is still striking out quite a bit um Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of the the one thing with Kelnick that could come back to uh to haunt him a little bit um at least in terms of the batting average I mean he's hitting just these these mammoth home runs right now so uh and he does seem to have really gotten over the the um psychological aspect of playing in the big leagues at this point. So I'm not, I'm not poo pooing the, the Jared Kelnick breakout. I just think that when you look at what Kirilov can do, he's not going to run as much as Kelnick, but I think he's got the potential to hit for a higher average. I think like I, I look at Alex Kirilov and I see a player who could potentially hit 300 at the big league level. Um, and that's, I think the exciting part, cause he's not, you know, he's not a 40 home run guy. He may not even be a 30 home run guy, but if he hits 25 home runs with a high batting average and drives in a lot of runs, like you'll be pretty happy with that. Um, year after year, I think he's a player who could do that. Um, now there was a report, uh, I believe in the athletic that, uh, sources with the twins were, uh, expecting, uh, Kirilov to get sent back down to the minors after he completed the rehab assignment. But, mm. you know, that was a couple of days ago and he he's just continued to like crush the ball in on that rehab assignment and meanwhile you look at the twins and they are like not a very exciting offense right now they're they're in the bottom half of the league in runs per game uh they could really use a a a, a boost um and you know a guy like Joey Gallo is hitting right now but like do we really think he's suddenly going to be someone that's different than he's always been, you know, I I don't. So um, I think there's definitely going to be room, Uh, you know, Trevor Larnick, guys like that, like are not staples of this lineup. Like they'll make room for Alex Kirilov if he continues to do what he's doing. Yeah. Honestly, like I could see Gallo still being on the roster, you know, and just hitting these moonshots, even if he's not playing every day, DHing coming in, 
Larnack, who you just mentioned, is the guy I could see easily going down and Kirilov coming up for sure. Yeah, and um, there's probably others, other ways to yeah. get him into the lineup too. I'm, I'm waiting for Jose Miranda to start hitting. He, you know, not every post-hype sleeper <laughs> has <laughs> has gone to, uh, gone off in the early going. I, I drafted Spencer Torkelson and Jose Miranda, and those, those are two that haven't hit. So it doesn't always hit, but um, the opportunity cost is – very low um, with these post type guys, and that's why I love uh, investing in them. Yeah, well, you mentioned Kirilov could hit 300. Uh, the next guy on our list here, Josh Young, third baseman for the Rangers, he's almost hitting 300 right now. And, and coming into the year, he was someone we kind of talked up. He was climbing up our third base rankings. You know, he's batting 282 right now. He hit a he hit a couple home runs, I think, uh, the other night. Uh, he's got five now, uh, 14 RBIs. He's got a stolen base. I wonder if the, you know, I see you have a note here, sell high question mark. So are you thinking like maybe the average could come back down to earth? Maybe he'll, he's more of a 240 guy. Um, or or what, do you, what are your thoughts on Josh Young? Because coming into the season, I feel like we kind of liked him. Yeah, I mean, I do really like him as a prospect. Um, you know, when I was uh, writing up my preseason note on him, and we do have notes on rsrankings.com for most of these top 500. So you can check that out on the site. But uh, I talked about in my note uh, on Josh Young how uh, his offseason shoulder injury uh, before last season really kind of sabotaged his year. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, so basically I wasn't putting that much stock in his struggles at the end of last season when he did finally uh, debut with the Rangers. Um, and I like long term, I think he could be a player who can hit for both average and power, which is exciting. Uh, unfortunately, right now he is striking out a lot. I mean, his strikeout rate is thirty point eight percent so far. So, like that two eighty two batting average is uh, being inflated by a three sixty five BABIP. Uh, yeah. His expected average, according to Statcast, is two forty six. So, like, I think there's some regression coming for him if he continues at the current level. Now, he's a twenty five year old former top prospect uh, who is building confidence every day with the results he's getting. So there's no, there's no guarantee that he's going to continue performing at this level. That's, that's the, uh, the rub, you know, if this was a veteran player with these numbers, I would definitely say sell high. Uh, but given, um, the fact that he could just get better, uh, he's not a, a de- he's not a definite sell high. I think it comes down to like, uh, if somebody in your league is really buying the breakout and thinks he's already arrived as a superstar, um, same thing with Kelnick, honestly, either of those two, like I could see selling high in a redraft league on those guys. If you're, uh, if you're going to get a, a real, uh, high price, you're going to get a player who has, who's doing the same things as them, but has done it in the past as well. Right. That makes sense. Um, another third baseman we have here, is Spencer Steer, he's just 14% rostered. Whereas, uh, Josh Young, he's 60% rostered. So you're talking about a guy in Spencer Steer, you know, former pretty high draft pick, third round pick. Um, and he, you know, he, he was in, he was with Cincinnati a little bit last year, uh, 28 games batted two eleven, So he struggled a little bit, uh, 24% strikeout rate. Um, not quite that high this year, uh, has a couple homers, but he hasn't hit one in a couple weeks. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's definitely someone I would add to the watch list. Um, he could definitely be sort of like another post type sleeper and he's eligible at first and third. And, you know, as the weather heats up, Cincinnati's a great place to hit. So, uh, looks like they came back and actually beat the Rangers uh, this evening while we're recording six, seven to six. So these two guys played each other tonight. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, Steer is a guy who wasn't really that firmly on my radar coming in the season. I mean, obviously I was familiar with him, but 
Uh, he wasn't a, he wasn't one of these post type guys I was specifically targeting to the same degree. Um, but you look at his minor league track record, and he does have a couple seasons where he basically showed he has 25 home run power. Uh, and you could say, oh, well, that's in the minor leagues. Fine, but now he's playing his home games in Cincinnati at Great American Ballpark. So uh, I think when when you're talking about Cincinnati players, like they're, they're the most likely to repeat their minor league power numbers at the major league level because they play in such a bandbox there. Um, so he's intriguing. I mean, um, just getting a everyday player in that lineup uh, is intriguing. He batted second in the lineup tonight. He's been third in the lineup frequently. Uh, just getting that many plate appearances in that sort of offensive environment from a young player who could be uh, on uh, having a breakout before our eyes, uh, I feel like his roster rate should be significantly higher. I will point out, too, like with Josh Young, uh, with Spencer Steer, his XBA is 190. So he's currently <laughs> batting 294. <laughs> so, you know, buyer beware a little bit there, too. His underlying numbers maybe show that his his average should be a little bit more like his 211 was last year. So we'll see. It's, it is a little bit of a small sample size. It's still... We're still in April here, you know. Yeah, that's a that's a huge uh, gap uh, in those two <laughs> yeah. numbers. So it's got to be one of the highest uh, numbers on Statcast. Yeah, it, in terms of that's discrepancy. A so yeah. we we talked we talked about I mentioned Josh Lowe. We talked about Kelnick a little bit. Nolan Gorman. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into any of those guys. We talked about them last week uh, as sort of post site. They they just continue to crush it, you know. Yeah, and honestly, like you know, so like take Josh Lowe for example. I feel like. Um, he wasn't quite on the same level of prospect as like, uh, oh, by the way, we forgot another amazing post type sleeper uh, this year is Wander Franco. So oh, yeah. <laughs> there's another example. Um, of course, Corbin Carroll is an example of a rookie who's getting it done. So, you know, there's there's variations in the theme. But, uh, <laughs> but with Josh Lowe, I mean, the thing about him to me is his strikeout rate last year was 33.3%. This year right now it's 17.2%. So yeah. that's really impressive. And there's something in the, we're going to talk about some other rays a little bit later. Like there's just something in the water in Tampa. Like you want any piece of this lineup you can get, I feel like. So um, honestly, like I think uh, most people will probably not value Josh Lowe nearly as high as they would value Jared Kelnick. Um, So like that's a trade I would certainly uh, be open to exploring, like trade uh, Jared Kelnick for Josh Lowe and like a good pitcher or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like that's a deal you could actually get done. Sure. I mean, cause you know, everybody wants pitching and some of the next guys we were going to talk about are some young pitchers who are coming up. Uh, there's a couple guardians we have on our list. Logan Allen, uh, Tanner Bybee. Uh, so Logan Allen actually already came up, uh, got his uh, first start this year, uh, went six innings, got the win against Miami. It is Miami, but he had eight strikeouts, just a really good showing. He's 19% rostered now, which is up 11% on Yahoo. So people are noticing that that outing uh, for Logan Allen. And uh, yeah, nice nice little debut there. He, looking at his K per nine in the minors, it was you know like around 12, right, right at 12 K per nine. So that's nice to see. And the fact that he struck out eight Marlins is in six innings, like that's a good start. I mean, it, he could have some struggles, but like you said, I mean, the hitters, the rookie hitters are the ones who look like they're struggling a little bit more than the pitchers, right? Like, yeah, that's uh, my working theory anyway. I mean, I feel like yeah. with pitchers, um, when when a hitter and a pitcher have not faced each other before, uh, the advantage is to the pitcher because, you know, the hitter yeah. doesn't know what to expect. The hitter's the one that has to react to what the pitcher is doing. So I feel like um, rookie pitchers, for that reason, can come up and have 
uh, some more immediate success like we've seen with Todd Bradley, for example. Um, and yeah, I mean, Logan Allen, like he, 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 uh, he struggled in AAA last season. Um, and you know, had a six forty nine ERA and 59 and two thirds innings, but even then he had that 11.01 K per nine rate. Uh, it was just walks that really got him in trouble and, and maybe home runs and, and was pretty unlucky with the BABIP allowed 354. That's a very high mark. So yeah. um, I'm not reading too much into uh, his struggles at AAA last season. Uh, he came up uh, to the Guardians um, and, you know, the, he was great in AAA this season for a couple or three three starts, actually. And then, like you said, came right up to the Guardians and succeeded his first time out, albeit against uh, a weak lineup. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for him – you know he he put up great numbers in Double A. Uh, he put uh, in both 2021 and 2022. Um, so I think he's a really nice prospect. And I also just feel like the Guardians are a team that um, they 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 tend to train their pitchers well. You know, like they're gonna throw a lot of strikes and be around the the strike zone, not beat themselves. Um, so uh, and it's a decent pitchers park as well in Cleveland. So um, I think there's a lot to like with him and Tanner Bybee. Um, you know when I was a kid I had one of my my best friend when I was like in kindergarten was named Bobby and I used to call him Bibby <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed it's not Tanner Bibby but you know I'll live with Bibby um I still think there's a, a ton to be excited about um with Bibby and uh looks like he's gonna get make his major league debut uh tomorrow Wednesday uh so we'll see how he looks in that outing I feel like because Logan Allen got the call first he's probably a little more likely to stick in the rotation right now than Bybee. Like this could be a one, uh, one-time audition for Bybee. Uh, but if he if he pitches as well as he's capable of, I mean, between the two, he's the higher regarded prospect of of those two pitchers. So if he comes up and does what he's capable of doing, then I I, I would guess that the uh, Guardians will make room for both of these guys before too long. And they could. I mean, Cal Quantrill looked rough in his last outing uh Aaron Savale is on the IL right now so yeah exactly. I mean, maybe they Zach just... I mean like right these these not, are not very uh, world inspiring names yeah <laughs> no definitely not even Peyton yeah. Battle, uh, Battenfield like he's been uh decent so far but um doesn't miss a lot of bats right uh who was it Hunter Gaddis was up for a couple starts and went down so yeah I, these two guys definitely have an opportunity so either add him to your watch list or or add him you know in the, in the case of Logan Allen I would go ahead and add him if you have the space for it since he's already up and has had a good start he's got a little bit of a leg up right but like you said Bybee maybe is the better prospect so um. I'd be happy to add either of them I mean that you know the, the thing about it is like I feel like there have been so many exciting young pitchers that have gotten the call in the last couple of weeks. It's sort of uh, you can run out of roster space, you know. Like I yeah. on my team, I already have Taj Bradley and Mason Miller, so I'm like, how do I make room for these Guardian pitchers or the next guy we're going to talk about, Brandon Fott, who of the sure. Diamondbacks, who uh, also could be up. I mean, he should be up very shortly. Uh, I mean, they they uh, designated Madison Bumgarner for assignment. Uh, and then um, who was uh, uh, who uh, who was it? Dre Tommy Jameson. Henry, right? That oh. they gave a spot star to wasn't very good. Terrible. Yep. Yeah, I mean it, it's just <laughs> it's only a matter of time, and it's probably a matter of days until we see Brandon Brandon Fott uh, in a Diamondbacks uniform. So he's another one that I, I would want to speculate on right now if I could find the room. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know if you said Dre Jameson in there got sent down as well. So like. Yeah. It, it just seems like the writing's on the wall that that he's uh, coming up. I was just looking up 
his uh, his ownership roster percentage twenty four percent. So he's a little bit more rostered. Um, I guess just people getting excited for my my Diamondbacks there. You know, who are well, playing yeah. Well I mean, Fod is one of the top ranked <laughs> pitching prospects in in the game. So uh, I mean, Bybee's not too far behind him either. But um, but yeah, Fod is. I think he was on on that. Like, you know, sometimes when it comes to these rookies, like people's attention span only can cover so many names. And it's like <laughs> guys who are like top five tend to be very, very heavily rostered. And then if you're like in that 10 to 15 range, uh, you drop the, the roster rate drops off a lot. But um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Brandon fought uh, Chase Field is at Pitcher's Park um, at this stage. So um, it would be a good environment for him and uh, just uh, another guy who can. Missed a ton of bats and has had really good control as well. Very low walk rate throughout the minor leagues. So a ton of upside for him. Yeah, and you mentioned Taj Bradley, uh, guys like Mason Miller. So Mason Miller, you know, there's some concerns with him that he might only throw 100, 120 innings. Like he might have some kind of cap for the A's. You know, they want to save him for when they move to Las Vegas and, you know, then then unleash Mason Miller, right? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't <laughs> – I just think it's uh, – I just think that they, you know – well, there's two issues. One is, can he handle the innings? Um, can he stay healthy yeah. for the innings? I don't think that, uh, you know, they want to shut him down necessarily. But it's also just like they have to build him up first. I mean, right now he's uh, been he's been limited to like 80 pitches per per outing, and to me that's a bigger concern than like him getting shut down later in the season. Like I I don't really mind that as a fantasy manager if he is great for three months and then gets shut down. That's fine. Like, uh, but what you want is you want him to at least pitch enough innings that he's eligible for wins, even though mm-hmm. they're going to be hard to come by on Oakland. I, I generally believe that any pitcher who <laughs> is pitching well and pitching six, seven innings, uh, a start is going to be in line for wins, even on bad teams. I, ju- I just, it's kind of like, you know, people say people avoid closers on bad teams. And I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake to avoid starters on bad teams too. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, like, it's it's different like you know a Rockies pitcher or something like avoid those guys but like Oakland is a great pitcher's park like he could put up huge strikeout numbers with really strong ratios um so yeah he's gonna he's not gonna get a ton of wins but if he can just build up his pitch count a little bit I still think he's gonna be a impact player in uh, 10 and 12 team leagues yeah and then Taj Bradley who's now 69 percent rostered you know he had three really good starts i mean borderline great starts and got wins in all of them he plays for a really good team in tampa uh of course they option him and you know tyler glass no tyler glass now could be back soon they have some other some other arms that could get in there it's it we'll have to wait and see i would not drop him you know don't like just wait and see what happens with him uh it's i think he'll probably stick in the rotation for now they'll bring him back um but yeah i just I guess cooled a little bit on Taj Bradley just with how how they're doing things with him in Tampa, but you've got to hold on to him and start him when when he's back up. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I definitely don't drop Taj Bradley. I, you know, the Rays are going to Ray. <laughs> it's like <laughs> always uh, a little bit um, up and down with that team, like in terms of how they use their players. Um, it, it's not up and down in terms of wins and losses. They they are masterful at getting uh, great performances out of their players and winning baseball games. But uh, you look at that rotation. I mean, looking at roster resource right now, the only three guys they have listed in the rotation right now are Shane McClanahan, Zach Eflin, who just came back and drew Rasmussen. So like, even if uh, Tyler Glasnow does come back, there's still room for another pitcher. I mean, that 
you know, the guys they're talking about using uh, in the meantime uh, are not not names that you're uh, super excited about. It was like Yanni Chirinos and Josh Fleming. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that wants to win the division, that wants to go to the World Series. Like, they're not going to be pitching Yanni Chirinos and Josh Fleming as their fifth starter all season. Like, it's going <laughs> to maybe be a couple weeks that you have to wait for Bradley, but – um, and maybe there's a purpose here to limit his his uh, innings at some point, but uh, he's still going to be a starter for this team for the, the vast majority of the season. Sometimes the simplest answer is the, is the right one. Yep. Well, the next guys on our list, um, we've got a few kind of like, I guess, a couple infielders, I think. And then is Brenton Doyle? He's an outfielder, right? Um, yeah. So we've got a couple, couple rookies who... So Michael Bush uh, is at second base. He's 4% rostered. Brenton Doyle for Colorado, uh, 1% rostered. And then Jordan Diaz uh, for Oakland, another Oakland guy. He's 1% rostered. So these are these are guys who are who have come up, and I think you mentioned Doyle stole a couple bases uh, either yesterday or tonight. Tonight, so, yeah. Yeah, either add them to your watch list, or if you're in a deep league, you may want to consider adding some, some of these guys. Who, who's your favorite, uh, I guess, amongst Michael Bush, Brenton Doyle, Jordan Diaz? I mean, I'm not super high on any of these guys, uh, but I will say that, like, for me, Bush and Doyle are well ahead of Diaz. Um, I mean, they're both in much better offensive situations than Diaz is to begin with, and I think they're also just better players. So um, for that reason, I, I I would rank them. I mean, I can't really see Michael Bush being up for very long, so I'd probably go Brenton Doyle first just because yeah. I think he actually has a chance to earn some regular playing time. Um you know, he, he's a guy that put up some nice power and speed numbers in the minors. Uh, lo- it was mostly the low minors. I mean, he has not had a lot of experience in AAA, um, but was very productive there as well. So, uh, And we know the course field effect. So, <laughs> like, if yep. this guy can get regular playing time, I think he could actually work his way into uh, some nice fantasy value. Um, Michael Bush, like, it's just really hard to break into that Dodger lineup. I mean, it's taken, like half of their team having children this week to uh, to, <laughs> yeah. to get him uh, some playing time. You know, they, they have like four guys on paternity leave and including uh, including Max Muncie. So that's the reason right. that Michael Bush has gotten called up. I feel like once Max Muncie's back, uh, Michael Bush is probably going back to AAA. But uh, that is, this is a guy that hit 32 home runs last season in the minors. Uh, he doesn't have a lot left to prove in the minors. He's 25 years old now, so yeah. you'd like to see him get a shot. I mean, I I almost feel like he's the kind of player that might get traded at the trade deadline for them to get some sort of reinforcements, and then maybe he gets regular playing time down the stretch. But it's just really hard to work your way into uh, regular playing time uh, in L.A. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, I think I would rank him, uh, just like you said as well, um, Doyle, Bush, and Diaz. And, yeah, Bush might very well be right back down when Muncie comes back after uh, after um, saying hello to his new baby, I guess. And yeah, anything you wanted to add on Diaz? I, I think you were a little bit higher on him than I was. Yeah, I mean, just just talking about these guys sort of all in the same breath just because, you know, I would rank him third among the bunch, bunch too just because it is Oakland. I mean, but Jordan Diaz, pretty good prospect in their organization. He's just 22 years old. Um, just looking at his fan graphs page, you know, he's, he had like in, tw- in 2022, he had 19 home runs across, you know, 120, 30 games. So not, not quite as much power as Bush showed uh, for not as good of a team, <laughs> but it's like, he also might come up and play every day. So if you're in a, like a points league or something, Jordan Diaz, I think could stick. So maybe it just depends on your format. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I probably could even 
rank Bush the lowest just because of what we're saying where Bush might not even get the playing time. He can get sent right back down. Yeah, I think in a deeper league that might make sense because you're just looking for a guy that's going to get at bats, you know. Um, yeah. I do. Diaz has shown really good uh, uh, contact rate um, in the minors, very low strikeout rate. Um, yeah. So maybe he could hit for a decent average and a little bit of pop. Um, doesn't offer much in terms of stolen bases, and we know the, the runs in RBIs are probably going to be pretty hard to come by. Yeah, and already striking out a ton <laughs> so far, but five games, small sample size, and a little bit of an adjustment, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so why don't we move on uh, from talking about all these young guys to maybe talking about some more established veteran players who have been moving up our rankings. And um, one thing for me, uh, this is more of just sort of a uh, approach uh, to rankings uh, topic, but coming into the season, um, I, I felt like there wasn't, a huge gap uh, between most of the top pitchers. So uh, I didn't rank pitchers as highest hitters, generally speaking, coming into the season. Uh, even guys like Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns, I had down around like 20th in my rankings at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, but I've moved Cole up, of course, because he's been great. Uh, but there's been some other guys I've also moved up. Uh, Spencer Strider, Shane McClanahan, who we were just briefly discussing, uh, Jacob DeGrom and Shohei Otani. They're just other guys that were consensus top 10 starting pitchers coming into the year who have just been awesome. And I feel like given how many pitchers this year have struggled, um, having these like proven high-end guys uh, pitching as advertised, like they almost have more value because um, – because some of their peers are are not getting the job done. So for that reason, those are four guys that have uh, jumped up in my rankings uh, in the last week. Yeah, I always wonder like what it would be like to to do a draft like May first, right? Like you get a month's worth of data, uh, you get some value on some slow starters, like a couple shakers who we'll talk about here in a little bit. But then you look at some of these, you know, you have some injuries that happen, and then yeah, guys like this. I mean, I've I've done the same thing really. I've moved some of these guys up. Looking at my SP rankings now, I have Garrett Cole, Shohei Otani, and Spencer Strider, and they're 17, 18, 19 in like a, a tier for me. If I were to like draft, I'd want, I'd want one of those guys. And then I have Corbin Burns, Shane McClanahan, and Jacob deGrom in another tier, sort of like in the high 20s. So, you know, and I don't know if I'm going to draft like right now. That, that's not that's not happening. But if I were, I might consider them sort of at the back end if I have like the 12th pick in a 12-team league uh, to grab one of those those, those first three we talked about, like a Garrett Cole uh, or Spencer Strider, who's just been looking phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I think with, um, I mean, to me, the reason Cole gets the edge is just because he's been, he's a proven workhorse, you know, and oh yeah, we still need to see that from Strider. So that's, and, and honestly, Otani too, to some extent. And of course, DeGrom, I think all those three guys, uh, there's some durability questions just in terms of how many innings they can, they can throw uh, this season. Um, McClanahan, maybe a little less so, but uh, none of them can really compare to uh, to Garrett Cole, I would feel like, in terms of just knowing he's going to be that workhorse. And um, I still have Corbin Burns uh, right up in this group as well. Uh, have you moved him down? Yeah, I mean, just slightly, because, uh, you know, he was dealing with the injury, so I moved him a little bit down, and, you know, he had the fir first start or two, I think, were a little rough. So, yeah, I mean... I, he was my number one or two pitcher coming into the the season, but yeah, I did move him down to my fourth pitcher right now. But you know, I could always bump him back up. Same uh, tier, are, though, basically, right? Well, I have him. I have the tier of the first three, and then I have the second tier with Burns, McClanahan, Degrom. So ah, I kind of have. Okay. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, to me, um, to me, these are all like top 30 overall players. So yes. uh, I, to me, they're all kind of in one tier, really. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so uh, some other veteran players, uh, some other pitchers, Marcus Stroman. Now, this is a guy that I've traditionally had like no interest in because he doesn't <laughs> strike too. batters out. And suddenly this year, he's striking guys out so far. I mean, I don't know if this is actually going to keep up, but... Um, right now, he's got a K per nine of 9.31 and uh, 217 ERA um, and a uh, 1.00 whip. So he's looking mighty good so far. Um, he's always been a, a big help in ERA. That's that's nothing new. Uh, it's just a it's just a question of um, the the strikeouts and then how good will he be in WHIP at the end of the day because. Um, you know, his his best mark prior to the season was uh, that 115 mark that he had last year, which he also did in 2021, unless you go all the way back uh, to 2015 when uh, he only threw 27 innings, which I'm not going to count. So I, I think that um, he had, there's some questions about, you know, is he suddenly going to have a career year at age 32 or 31, 32? I mean, maybe not, but... Um, I feel like he was a high floor guy to begin with. And right now he's showing some ceiling. So he he's interesting. Yeah, he is interesting. He's kind of like Mr. Quality start off the bat here. He's had four of his first five games at home. You know, it's been cold in, in Chicago. Wrigley's been really nice. The wind's been blowing in a lot. Um, I, I tend to look at the uh, ballpark pal on Twitter. It does a nice job of showing all the conditions for weather and things. And yeah, Wrigley's been a really nice under park. Uh, a lot of <laughs> low scoring not just him, but the other guy we we're going to talk about here, Justin Steele, his teammate. I mean, some of these guys are are impacted by you know some favorable conditions, especially when you look at cities like Detroit and Cle- Cleveland. Some of these cold cold cities early on, it, it, it'll change a little bit. And yeah, like I think regression is coming a little bit for Stroman. I mean, mm-hmm. his expected you know ERA is well over three. And I mean, we we did see guys like you mentioned Tony Gonsolin, who's coming back from injury. I think this week, uh, you know, he's I'm ticked him up a little bit. But last year, you know, his his ERA was – he just kept having this low ERA even though his expected numbers were high. So that could happen too. Uh, maybe that will happen all year with Stroman, but I think we will have a little bit of regression. Yeah, I mean, I think you could make a case that we'll have some regression for Steele and Stroman. Um, you know, both of these guys – like Stroman's BABIP against is 214 right now. Steele's mm-hmm. BABIP against is 200. But <laughs> uh, and the other, the other thing is strand rate, the left on base percentage. They both have a left on base percentage of 89.1%, uh, which is extremely high. So, uh, yeah. you know, th- there's definitely been some some major good fortune for both of these guys. But that's also to be expected when you have a 217 ERA in Stroman's case and a 144 ERA in Steele's. So, like, the, of course, they're going to regress from those numbers it's just a question of how much and uh those you know expected numbers you mentioned both of those guys like have expected era and xfips that are basically 350 or lower so those those are still solid numbers you know i I think most people would gladly take a 350 era from these guys um if i had to pick one of the two i'm going with steel because i feel like um I, i i trust that he can strike batters out a little bit more than I do with Stroman. I mean, uh, Stroman's actually has the, be- has the better K rate than Steele so far this year, but, uh, but Steele had a, struck out over a batter per nine in 119 innings last year. So I think he's actually capable of doing that. Yeah. And you mentioned the Babbitt for Stroman. I'm looking at, yeah, you said it's 214. 
he's a basically a career 300 BABIP guy, and and it's pretty consistent year to year. So yeah, he's he's had some good fortune early on. Uh, some regressions definitely coming. So uh, we've we've got to talk about the rest of the Twins rotation because every time we meet, we talk <laughs> about another twin uh, have we talked about Sonny gray yet <laughs> i don't I know that we, we talked have. about him maybe in passing but um <laughs> certainly he hasn't been a focus for us and he 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 deserves his moment in the sun because right now he is putting up massive fantasy value i mean he has a 0.62 era 1.07 whip 34 k's and 29 innings three wins on the season He's the 15th overall player in standard 5x5 five five leagues. Not just pitcher, player. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, are you buying the the uh, career year for Sonny Gray? I mean, he has had some other very good seasons mixed in with some not-so-good seasons. Sure. I mean, I am. I, I like the Twins coming into the season. Uh, you know, I like this squad. You mentioned like guys like Miranda haven't gotten hitting yet. Uh, you know, Kirilov coming up. I just like this roster up and down. I like the pitching staff. We, we talked about Pablo Lopez and the others. But yeah, for, as far as Sonny Gray, sure, if he can stay healthy, um, you know, he's getting a little bit up there in age. He's had some really good seasons. You know, it's it's wild. Like, he started the year against Kansas City and had one strikeout against a bad Royals team who struggles to score runs. And then he had 13 strikeouts against Houston. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, but he's been pretty consistent since then. You know, just had really good starts. And yeah, I mean, he's 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 a valuable pitcher. Pitching is very very valuable in general in baseball right now. So like Sonny Gray, um, you know, if you can make a trade for him, trade maybe a hit, if you have like an extra hitter or something, if you can find someone who maybe has an excess of pitcher, I would absolutely try to like buy high on Sonny Gray. Hmm. I'm in. Okay, wow. I I mean, I like him. I I just I think he to me, if anything, he's a sell right now, not a buy. I mean, he's got mm. a zero point six two ERA. Like, <laughs> I don't try to buy guys when they have those kind of numbers. I I, I just think you're going to end up um, having to pay more than you would on draft day. And to me, he's still the same Sunny Gray he was on draft day, which was a guy I liked. Um, you know, I think he was a solid, maybe number three fantasy starter, something like that. And I still think that's what he is. I don't think he's going to be a fantasy ace. I don't think he's going to be a top 12 fantasy pitcher this season. Um, You know, he does pitch in a nice ballpark there uh, in Minnesota. Um, You know, the guy he kind of reminds me of, honestly, is you, Darvish. Because, like, they've had some really high highs and some really low lows. They can run into trouble with walks. They can pile Mm -hmm. up strikeouts. Um so you don't ever know exactly what you're going to get from from Darvish or from Gray, and I feel like it's like they go through stretches, like dominant stretches and then really rough stretches, and it doesn't necessarily correspond with individual seasons. So like when you look at them from season perspectives, you see a lot of solid years, you see a couple bad ones, a couple good ones, um, but when you're actually when you actually roster them and you you deal with the ebbs and flows of an individual year. Like they could end up with a 370 ERA, but it could be because they had like, you know, a 220 ERA for the first half and a 470 ERA for the second half or something. You know, like um, yeah. so that's that's kind of how I feel about Sonny Gray. I think he's going to be a good pitcher, um, but if anything, I I would sell rather than buy. Okay, well, someone else on on I think keep on your watch list. Another twin starter is Bailey Ober, who came up for a spot start against Washington. Looked really good. Um, he, he's someone who had some really good strikeout numbers in the minor leagues, but it hasn't really, uh, trans, you know, transitioned to the majors. He hasn't really been a big strikeout guy against really good quality hitting, but even still, like I like Bailey Ober, 
you know, Kenta Maeda's dealt with a little bit of fatigue. Like he's, they've pulled him a little bit, you know, coming back from Tommy John, you know, Pablo Lopez, who I mentioned has had some arm troubles in the past. So like guys will get hurt. Um, I don't expect their whole pitching staff, even Sonny Gray, like we just talked about, like, I think Bailey Ober, someone make sure you hit that little star on Yahoo or whatever format you're on. I'd keep him on the watch list, um, but fine cutting him for now. He's 10% rostered now. Yeah. He feels like a classic twins pitcher to me. Like, uh, like really good control you know that does mm-hmm. a lot of the work for him like reminds me of i'm trying to think like kevin slowy or <laughs> some of these guys from back in the day uh i'd have to look this there were a couple others too just guys who were uh didn't didn't uh hurt themselves um through a lot of strikes and maybe could get into trouble with home runs because they lived around the, the strike zone so much but um but yeah i mean i think bailey ober can be a solid pitcher when given the opportunity and I, I feel like there's going to be another opportunity for him in this rotation uh, at some point. But like you said, I mean, the the, uh, the the pitching has not been the problem for the Twins so far. It's been the offense. Um, so, you know, he, he's gonna, he may have to wait a little while um, to get that next opportunity. But uh, if things have – what was the Jeff Goldblum line from Jurassic Park? Like – Life finds life a way. Finds a way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. I mean, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of feel like he'll, he'll find his way into this rotation at some point. Guys like Kenta Maeda, <laughs> Pablo Lopez do not have great track records of staying healthy. So, um, at some point, I feel like uh, Ober will be back, and when he is, I think he'll be worth uh, considering uh, for at least a spot start, if nothing else. Well, now I'll be thinking of Jurassic Park when he gets the call back up. So, thanks for that. <laughs> Just don't make me sing the theme music. I'm tempted every time I talk about it. So. All right. Well, before we get into some closers, I know you you got to talk about your Michigan man, Rich Hill, right? I I didn't move him up much, but you know the Pirates they are winning. He's got a couple wins back to back. I'm just not really. Uh, I mean, he's he's five percent rostered in Yahoo, so he's he's widely available. Um, I, I guess he's someone you're definitely buying if you're in like a deep league. But are you adding him if you're in like a twelve team league? You you love some Rich Hill. Uh, I mean, I would not mind adding him for uh, uh, to stream because he's facing yeah. the Nationals on April 28th. So there you go. Uh, that's a pretty good matchup. Four of his five. He had a bad outing against the White Sox of all teams, but uh, four of his five outings have been really good. And three of those were at Cincinnati, at Colorado, and home against Houston. Those are those are not easy matchups. Uh, and he's been good. Uh, he's been striking out batters in most of those outings um, and keeping base runners off the bases. And don't look now, but the Pirates are like the surprise team of baseball this season. Like, they are. I don't think either of us were giving them any sort of chance to do anything this year. Uh, but no. they're winning games. They're scoring runs. He's getting run support. So, uh, like, his overall numbers right now don't look good because of that bad that, that bad start against the White Sox was really bad. But the other four starts have been solid. So I, I think he's a strong streaming option against the Nationals. And then from there, you just kind of see how it goes. You know, I mean, he's not like he's on the waiver wire in my league, in my 12-team league, and I didn't rush out to pick him up. So, like, you know, you have to have the roster space. But if you're looking for a streamer, I think he's a good option. And then after that, he probably gets Tampa Bay next. So I'm not going to be using him there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, you didn't even mention uh, that the Pirates signed Brian Reynolds to an extension. Uh, so, like, yeah. You didn't are mention up. it either. Oh, now well, you Well, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so things are looking up in Pittsburgh. Um, all right, well, let's go to some, some closer situations. We've got Liam Hendricks here. I know we've talked about him before. Uh, he announced he's cancer-free. He's starting a throwing program in Arizona, which is awesome. 
Uh, I haven't seen a timetable, but just like the fact that he might, you know, be back before the All-Star break, just people are stashing him. I don't think you can necessarily like just pick him up off the waiver wire. He's 66% rostered, so most leagues he's just stashed. But, I mean, gosh, I mean, He should be thir- higher, though, I think. I, right. I mean, I don't know. There hasn't been an official timetable, but I did see, uh, I believe, the NBC Sports Edge blurb was floating the idea that he could be back before the end of May. So uh, that's not too far off. I mean, we're talking like a month. Yeah. I mean, they're about to get him. They're about to start ramping him up now that he's cancer free, which is amazing. Uh, there, you know, relievers don't take as long to ramp up as starters either. Cause he doesn't need to build up any sort of pitch count or anything like that, you know? So sure. Uh, this guy could be a closer for four months of this season. Um, and I know the white Sox are off to a bad start, but there's still a lot of potential with that team, and he was one of the best closers in baseball um, before. So uh, I, he was an absolute steal. I took him with the final pick. in Like, he was Mr. Irrelevant in my fantasy <laughs> draft. I took him with the final pick, and it's looking like it's going to be a great pick. Nice. And, you know, the White Sox, yeah, they've, they're they off to a slow start, but they need him. Reynaldo Lopez has had a couple blow-ups in the last week. Uh, Kendall Graveman started off the year bad, so, like, they really need him to step into that closer role to hammer down these games. Um, they don't have anyone doing it right now for him. Yep, yep. And then another closer that's really emerged, and this one surprised me, honestly. Like, I've always liked A.J. Puck, but mm-hmm. uh, everything we knew about uh, Skip Shoemaker and what he said to the media prior to the season was this team was not going to have a closer. Like, philosophically, they were not going to have a closer. Um, well, it looks like A.J. Puck is their closer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And that's exciting because A.J. Puck is a very good pitcher. I mean, he's always had great stuff. Um, It was just a question of could he stay healthy. And right now he's healthy. Right now he's being deployed uh, in that closer role for the Marlins. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's just a lot to like. Um, He could easily be a top-10 closer if he actually has that job all season long. Yeah, I agree. And, like, I don't like the Marlins this year. I actually, when I did my my solo podcast, I I picked them as a long shot to be the worst team in baseball this year. At like, I think it was like 160 to one. I mean, it was a it was long shot odds. But this is a team that has lost like 90 to 100 games. Like, I don't know, like six or seven years in a row outside of that COVID year. So like, this is a team that loses a lot of games. But just like with in, with Detroit, Alex Lang, uh, you know, the next guy on our list, he's 55 percent rostered. Don't be afraid to roster these closers if they're pitching well. Because, I mean, Alex Lang, two strikeouts in each of his last three outings. The problem is they're, you know, they're <laughs> they're losing a lot of games. and But they're when they're winning games, they're winning them close. And that can, that can happen with bad teams. So as long as the pitchers are doing well, don't be afraid to roster these guys. Absolutely. Um, so who would you rather have then, A.J. Puck or Alex Lang? I think Puck just because, like, like you said, I've liked Puck for a while too. I've always liked his stuff when he was with Oakland. I, I think this could be like a super post hype sleeper who's finally getting his shot. Like I thought he was going to get his shot in Oakland at one point, you know. Uh, and he and Jesus Lazardo are just kind of reborn there in Miami, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I also think Puck has got better control than Lang. I mean, walks are a real bugaboo for Lang, and I do wonder uh, if those are going to come back to haunt him at some point. They haven't yet so far this season, but. Uh, his walk rate is over four batters per nine again, which it also was uh, last season and in 2021. So uh, it doesn't look like that aspect is changing. And uh, he can miss bats. Um, but uh, again, when, when when you're 
giving away that many free passes, you're kind of flirting with disaster. Yeah. Well, that's now the second episode, podcast episode, that you've used the word bugaboo, and I'm here for it. I think that's a very <laughs> underutilized word. I so, didn't even remember I used it last time. How about that? <laughs> someone else probably had, you know, walks or something as their bugaboo. I don't yes, know. it's always walks. all right well the last guy on our list brian abreu uh 49 rostered for the astros uh he's gotten a couple saves recently with uh what's going on with the uh i guess ryan presley and the uh, the astros situation i haven't i actually literally haven't been like kind of up to what's been going on the last couple days like why he's been getting the saves and presley hasn't yeah well dusty baker hasn't exactly (laughs) shed too much light on the situation he just said that uh, that Presley needed the extra day of rest. Um, there hasn't been any injury mentioned yet, but um, I mean, I do think this is a reminder that Ryan Presley tends to be a, somewhat fragile, and mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he's usually good for an IL stint or two at some point during the season. So uh, just for that reason alone, like I don't think I mean Presley is the closer if he's healthy, um, but. I just think there's a good chance that he will miss some time at some point, even if it's not right now, which it could be. Um, but uh, the thing about it is that, you know, Abreu was not the guy who was seen as as next in line coming into the season. That was Rafael Montero, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even Hector Neris. But it it's now, I mean, two saves in a row makes it pretty clear, I think, um, that Abreu is that, that next in line uh, if, if Presley is not available. Um, and... Uh, you know, Presley probably won't be pitching on back-to-back days uh, all that often, so he could get some saves then anyway. I mean, the Astros are a team that are going to have a lot of leads. And, uh, you know, the other aspect is just the strikeouts. I mean, yeah, you know, there 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 is an issue with walks for for Abreu, much like there is with Alex Lang. But, um, but Abreu is on an, another level in terms of his K rate. I mean, he is one of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball. Um, he's currently... Uh, sixth uh, in K rate among pitchers who have thrown at least 10 innings this season. Uh, and last season, it was the same story. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right now. I believe he was uh, fifth um, among pitchers. I'm going to pull it up uh, who threw at least 50 innings last year in K rate. So like he's just a, a big time, a big time K rate guy. Uh, and uh, I have, I, I picked him up this week. Um, because I guess he was actually 10th uh, among pitchers who threw at least 50 innings last year in K-rate. But still, that's – I mean, he was yeah. right there with guys like Liam Hendricks and Andres Munoz, Spencer Strider, Devin Williams. I mean, like these are the the best K guys in baseball, you know, Jose Alvarado, those names. So just based on the fact that he is next in line and he can miss that many bats, like I, I he's the kind of player I really like to roster. Okay. Well, we've got a, we've got a couple guys at the end here, and then we can move to some shakers uh, – you mentioned we were going to mention some Rays here. Harold Ramirez is now 60% rostered. He was 30% rostered just like a couple days ago, so it's rising. He's hitting some home runs. Uh, he's got five now, batting 371. He's looks like he's off tonight or was off against Houston. Um, didn't wasn't in the lineup, but he's in the lineup pretty much every day. You know, he's he plays like four or five games in a row, then gets a break. The Rays are going to ray, but yeah, he's mm-hmm. been hitting a ton. I mean, he was hitting a ton last year when he played like really high average uh, and. You know, like Yandy Diaz, who we talked about, I think, last week, like these guys are increasing their launch angle. You mentioned like something's going on down there. Wander Franco is breaking out. So I think you just kind of need to ride it. Maybe this is a season-long thing. Maybe these guys regress. But Harold Ramirez is someone to certainly 
just pick up and stream. He's first base and outfield eligible, so a nice utility option. Yeah, I mean, it's really the same. It is the same story as it is with Yandy Diaz. I mean, these are guys with and, – and Wander Franco, really strong plate approach. I mean, you know, um, Ramirez isn't a big walk guy, but he, he doesn't strike out a lot. And he hit 300 last year in 435 plate appearances. Uh, so he can hit for a high average. Mm-hmm. It's just he had literally no power. I mean, like six home runs last year. Seven in 99 games the year before with Cleveland. So uh, the fact that he didn't steal bases or hit home runs made him uh, not a very uh, exciting player. I mean, if you were going to go for pure batting average, there were other guys like Luis Arias you could go for instead. Um, But now he's already got five homers, like you mentioned, this season. And the launch angle is so much higher uh, this year. It's it's currently at 13 degrees. Last year was (laughs) 4.8. Yeah. So that's like a huge difference, um, which is the same thing we're seeing with Wander Franco. It's the same thing we're seeing with Yandy Diaz. And honestly, it's the same thing we're seeing with another guy on this list, Christian Bentoncourt, mm-hmm. uh, who is also, I mean, he actually is an interesting player because he's got catcher eligibility and first base, but uh, he's kind of established himself as the main catcher. Uh, for the race this season. Uh, Francisco Mejia is on the short side of the platoon at this point. Um, and Bencourt hit 11 home runs in uh, 333 plate appearances last year, 252 average, five uh, steals. So those were pretty interesting numbers, but now his power could go up because his launch angle yeah. has gone up. So I don't know if he's going to steal five bases again, but it doesn't matter. He's a catcher. I mean, if he can hit 250 <laughs> with 20 home runs as a catcher, like that's pretty darn interesting, you know? Yeah, I should have moved him up a little bit before we kind of uploaded our uh, our rankings here. I will for next time for sure. And um, another guy on this list, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, I should look up what his roster percentage is. He's probably a lot more. Yeah, he's 92% rostered. But again, he's batting 300 and he has five home runs as well. Like these other guys, uh, you know, four or five homers. Hitting for a high average, uh, I have to I have to dig into the to the numbers here as far as like you know he is one of those guys probably we talked about before the season started who is a lefty who's going to pull yep. more it won't have the shift sort of as much against him and maybe that's sort of bearing fruit right now early on for Rizzo. well that's what I was yeah I mean that's the one thing I wanted that's the one reason I put him in the notes to mention that because his BABIP right now is three twenty two. And mm-hmm. that would be the highest BABIP of his career. Okay. Uh, so last year it was 216. <laughs> yeah. So that's a pretty huge difference. <laughs> um, now, you know, he's not going to hit 300, but I think he's not. I think the days of Anthony Rizzo being this, this massive drain on your batting average could be over. And we know yeah, that he awesome. still has the power. I mean, he had 32 home runs last season. Uh, he's going to drive in a lot of runs, score a lot of runs, uh, chip in a few steals here and there, although he doesn't have any yet this year but uh yeah i i i'm buying that the the shift ban is going to um boost anthony rizzo's batting average at least 20 or 30 points from previous uh seasons and that makes him pretty interesting in fantasy yeah and i still think it can boost a guy like Corey seager you know who is due back you know i don't know i don't know if it's this week or next week hopefully he's back soon but maybe he's someone you could still maybe yeah. he's someone you could buy while he's injured you know as a Corey seager uh, because i think same same thing you know rowdy Tellez, i liked him a lot coming into the year some of these some of these left-handed hitters but mm-hmm. let's get into some shakers i guess we need to start with some some bad news on some guys where do you want to start well logan ohoppy was a guy i was very excited about this year uh 
you know, and then of course he he didn't break camp with the team, which was surprising. And then he got, and then Max Stasi got hurt, and he came in and started looking like he was going to be good. And then he got hurt, and now yeah. he is uh, has had uh, shoulder surgery, uh, labrum, I believe. And mm-hmm. uh, the the timetable we're looking at is four to six months. So he could very well be out for the rest of the season. Um, there is some chance that he could come back in in late August or September. And given the state of catcher, like <laughs> I'd be interested in him if that happens. But uh, certainly not a player that you need to stash away unless you have like. 10 IR spots <laughs> yeah and I mean the same could be said for Garrett Mitchell he also has a labrum issue sounds like he's either had surgery or is going to have surgery uh, as well so I would imagine it's a similar timetable where maybe he can come back at the end you know the very end of the season but we've talked about I think last episode some of the other you know young outfielders like uh, Weimer and some other guys who who they have uh, I think by the time we get to the end of the season even if the Brewers are like you know leading the division or in the hunt I don't even know if they bring back a Garrett Mitchell at that point, you know, if he's still working his way back. So I'd, I'd feel comfortable dropping him as well. There's going to be so much churn in the summer. I just, you know, like you said, unless you have 10 IR, IL spots. I would drop, I mean, I would drop Mitchell even before Ohapi because at least Ohapi plays a very scarce position uh, that's hard to fill. You know, like Mitchell yep. is, I mean, he's kind of a dime a dozen even, even to begin with. Sure. And then uh, Jake Jake McCarthy, you know, yeah. we're talking about the Diamondbacks. I, he's he's someone who has some maybe more speed than Corbin Carroll, or could or could, and he's just off to such a slow start. They they option him to option him to AAA, and uh, you know, guys like Alec Thomas, who I know you like, you know, getting a little more playing time. Paven Smith, they're they're hitting they're hitting better, and I'm gonna I'm keeping my eye on uh, Alec Thomas tonight because I actually you know it's Stinger Tuesday, and he had really <laughs> long odds to hit a home run, so I'm 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 tracking him to see if he's gonna come through for me tonight. Yeah, I mean, the Jake McCarthy one is tough because, like, people spent a decent amount of draft capital on him, and that just shows you the risk on drafting a guy who had such little track record. I mean, yeah. he wasn't, like, an elite prospect and um, hadn't uh, done much. Um, I mean, he had put up some interesting numbers in the, in the minors, but it was really about the stolen bases, you know. He came up and he stole 23 bases in 354 plate appearances last season. Um, but it's just, I, I just don't think he was as established as a player with his draft capital typically would be. And that's come back to haunt people that, that drafted him. Cause uh, you know, he was actually quite unlucky this season. I mean, his BABIP is 160. Uh, you know, his strikeout rate was actually lower than it was last year. Uh, he just, was having some bad luck and the the Diamondbacks just didn't show a lot of faith in him. I mean, they moved him to the bottom of the order pretty quickly and then they sent him down. So um, I think that's the big issue is just that he didn't have that much job security. So, uh, you know, three weeks of bad luck could do him in, which you typically wouldn't look (laughs) for for a player that was drafted with his kind of ADP. Yeah, for sure. A couple other, a couple of pitchers who, well, one Chris Bubich, who we talked about last week, as I think we might have talked about him as a shaker because he had just gotten hurt. Well, it's Tommy John, so he's out. So you can drop Chris Bubich. Not a whole lot left to say there. Um, and then Trevor Rogers, who's now just 15% ro- uh, rostered, which is you know kind of surprising for a guy a couple years ago who was really good and he's dealt with some. You know, he's been er- erratic, uh, but you know he's he's dealing with a bicep injury. Uh, he's been shut down from throwing, so there's not a whole lot of news. And maybe people are just dropping him, thinking like, well, he could be done. 
But before we started the show, you were kind of talking about how, like, if he's not done for the year, you know, if he's out for a month, you could be in for Trevor Rogers at 15% owned, you know, like, what do you think about Trevor Rogers? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, with that level of rostership, it means, like, he's not rostered in some pretty deep leagues, you know, and yeah, uh, especially considering you can stash him in an IR spot. Uh, if you... um if you have an avail, availability to do that, I mean, like, this guy still has a ton of upside. He's only 25 years old and was just completely dominant back in 2021. Last year, uh, he had a lot of issues that went on. Um, he had off-field uh, issues um, that I think affected him. He had injuries. Um, so, like, I, I I thought he had some potential to be a big bounce-back um, candidate this year. Um, if he could just kind of get his mechanical issues right, get his mental health in place, and um, and and you know he pitches. I mean, the Marlins are a great. You know, I know you say you don't like the Marlins as a as a team for winning <laughs> games, but the, it's a great team to pitch for. I mean, it's a great pitcher's park. They have a good track record of developing their young pitchers as well. Yep. So, um, you know, I, I thought he was like a big risk reward guy coming into the season, and I still feel that way. I mean, like it wouldn't shock me if he's an impact player in the second half of the season. So for that reason, like I, let's, let's see what happens with the news. I mean, arm injuries are always concerning, like uh, especially when teams are not very forthcoming about it. Like it could end up being a big deal, but we certainly haven't seen anything yet. That's going to say definitively it is a big deal. So for that reason, I think he should probably still be rostered in more leagues than he is. All right. Um, let's get into some higher end guys who, uh, either both of us have lowered or maybe one of us have lowered. I know, I know the first name kind of surprised you when uh, we were looking at our updated rankings. Uh, I've lowered Manny Machado to about 40th overall. Um, now, Machado's, Machado's a great player. You know, I know him from his Baltimore days. You know, I've, I've seen him play in person. I mean, he's when he, was, when he was with Baltimore, he was a little bit younger and a little bit of a punk, I must say. Like, he did some stuff that I didn't like. Um, oh, now I'm seeing why you lowered him in yeah. the rankings. The truth <laughs> is personal. coming out. It's personal. It's a personal grudge match. <laughs> no, but I mean, the player, you know, for fantasy, like, he's a great player. Like, I'm not denying that. But, like, he's just off to such a slow start. Every time I look at a box score, it's over this. He's not, he's not walking. Uh, he's got one home run. He's batting 220. Uh, you know, this whole lineup uh, San, with, for San Diego, I think, is going to start heating up. Uh, we said the same thing for the Braves last year. You know, they had a, and the White Sox. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, they, well, the White Sox, I don't, they never did turn it around. No, they didn't. <laughs> and, so, and they've continued it this year, too. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but I do believe more in the Padres, like more like the Braves, where like they will turn it around. But what I did with Machado is like for my third baseman, I still have Jose Ramirez, you know, as like a first round pick at the top. I have Devers at 13. I have Bobby Witt Jr. and Austin Riley sort of in the 20s. And then I have Machado and Nolan Arenado in the 40s. You know, I've lowered them a bit to where if I were drafting today, I just, I don't know. I might consider those other guys like, again, like Austin Riley and Bobby Witt. I didn't, I don't know that I had them ahead of Machado a month ago, but, you know, I do for now. Okay. I, I just, I don't really see how um, we can move. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't move Manny Machado down that like that much uh, based on three weeks of action. It's just he's too proven. He's too much of a stud year in and year out. Like, I mean, even the bad years for Manny Machado like are pretty darn good. I mean, he hit in twenty twenty one down year hit two seventy eight 
28 homers, 12 steals, 106 RBIs. <laughs> Not much of a down year, you know. Last year he was a complete monster, was a complete monster in the in the COVID year in 2020. Uh, another quote unquote down year in 2019, 256, 32 homers, five steals. I mean, it's just, I, he's 30 years old. Like, there's no reason he could, there's no reason to think he's declining or anything at this point. I, I just think it's a slow start. And, um, you know, I, we have seen this at times from Machado. He can look sluggish for, uh, for stretches, but, I think he's going to make up for it with with some massive hot streak, and you're going to be moving him right back up to where you had him in the first place. That's my prediction. It's very possible, and and honestly, all that to say, like if you can buy low a little bit on Machado and get a little bit of a discount, now's a good time. So, like, I'm not trying to say two different things. I really am saying like I am lowering him, but like you're right, he is a great player. Now is where you want to sort of like look at these buy low opportunities, and like I don't know, maybe we should do a show on you know sort of buy low sell high and Machado definitely would be a buy low right now yeah I think so I mean to me like did you say you had him in a similar range as Arenado yeah like I moved like Arenado I have both of them sort of like around 44 to 45 overall mm-hmm. see and for see me you moved yeah, yeah you move Arenado down even more which that's yeah I could see that too I mean to me Arenado he's two years older than Machado he was never quite as good as Machado to begin with, at least since he's left Colorado. I mean, like he went back in the Colorado years, he was like an MVP type of a, a fantasy MVP type of a player. But, um, you know, I think what he was in 2021 was 34 home runs, 105 RBIs. That's great. But he hit 255, two homers. Like I, I just sort of feel like, I don't know. It's not that he's been terrible so far. I um, mean, he is hitting 284, but his strikeout rate is, is way higher than it was um, any previous year. And just the fact he is a little bit older, um, I I don't know. I just don't – he's not going to steal bases. We already knew that. Um, I don't – like he hit 293 last year, but that was a little surprising to me because I, I sort of had been under the impression that he was going to – like leaving cores was going to put a big dent in his batting average going forward, and it did his first year with the Cardinals, and then it didn't last year. And – I kind of feel like it's going to again. Like, I think his average is more likely to come down than go up from that 284. So he really needs to deliver the 30 home runs that we were promised. And right now he's only got two so far. I mean, it's just like, I feel like a guy like Machado is just such a, he's a much more dynamic player at this stage of their respective careers that like he has different ways to give you value. Whereas like Arenado pretty much needs to hit 30, 35 home runs or he's going to be a bust. Yeah, and his his teammate Goldschmidt needs to hit 35 homers as well, which he usually does. Um, he has just two home runs. Uh, he has a couple stolen bases too. Um, but I've lowered Goldschmidt slightly, uh, really just in my first base rankings. I have. It looks like you also have Vlad Freeman, Pete Alonso, and Matt Olson ahead of Goldschmidt. And I don't know if that was the case a month ago. We might have had Goldschmidt a spot or two higher, but mm-hmm. um, you, you were kind of. I mean, you were paying for a career year if you wanted to draft Goldschmidt. And now he's just sort of like settling back down a little bit in our rankings to where he probably should have been a month ago, honestly. Well, he's had a few career years. He's had a great career. but <laughs> That's um, true. But yeah, I mean, I, I think like Goldschmidt's a player that looked like um, he, you know, he's another guy that I thought was probably going to start to decline and it just never really happened. I mean, 2019 was a down year for him in batting average. But other than that, like he's pretty much continued it to hit for a high average and a lot of power and 
he still has stolen some bases. So, I mean, that's what made him like a really underrated player going into last season. Like he continued to hit for a high average and steal a lot of bases, even at age 34. But now uh, his average is down uh, two steals so far. I just, I don't know. It's asking a lot for a 35 year old guy to continue to be a five category monster, you know? And so I, I, I'm a little worried we could see a little slippage and average and steals from him and, um, and maybe even power as well. Well, what about a 36-year-old guy? Because uh, Jose Abreu is off to a really slow start as well. You know, no home runs. Uh, he's got six runs, 10 RBIs. Uh, he's striking out. It looks like uh, career worst right now, almost 24%, and batting 250. which, you know, for Abreu to be valuable, he needs to be he needs to be hitting. He doesn't necessarily need to be hitting home runs, but I want to see him hitting closer to 300 and, uh, you know, getting a lot more RBIs and runs and stuff. And he's just not really doing it right now in that lineup. I had him more like in the Vinny P uh, range, and now I've moved him down. It looks like you've moved him outside of your top 100, and I'm almost there. Yeah, I mean, zero home runs so far. <laughs> and yeah. We know he's going to be a zero in stolen bases. And, I, I mean, he only hit 15 home runs in 157 games last year. And I think we were cautiously optimistic that he was going to get that number back up again this season. Uh, at least into the 20 to 25 range. You know, we weren't expecting miracles, but we were hoping he could at least do that. But he's got zero. So that means in the last 180 (laughs) games, he has 15 home runs. I mean, that's really bad. Uh, I'm worried. I'm worried that the power is just gone. You know, he's 36 years old, like you said. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking to see the power go. Um, It wouldn't be shocking to see the batting average drop off a lot, too, because, I mean... The K rate, like you said, is up, and it's going to be hard for him to come close to last year's 304 batting average when he's striking out more. Uh, you know, I feel like he's a player. He's one of these guys that, like, um, I think I'm trying to remember who else we, we – oh, maybe it was Bregman we talked about this, like his teammate. You know, guys we yeah. just kind of inflated their draft value just because they were at shallow positions and, like, there was a big drop-off to unproven guys later. So we're like – We'll take the solid, you know, proven hitter in the good offense and um, and and take our chances with that. But um, there's reason to believe he's just not quite the player he was. I mean, I still think he'll drive in plenty of runs at the end of the day, but um, there might not be a lot else there besides RBIs for him. Yeah, and um, I don't think he is a buy low. Like, I don't know what he is. If he's just like a, a bench him type deal. I don't think you can sell him because, I mean, you wouldn't get much. I, I think you just need to kind of stash uh, Brayu for now and play someone else. I mean, the only thing you could maybe do is sometimes you can trade a one, one your problem for somebody else's problem, you know? Oh, so, yeah. like, maybe you find some other struggling player who you who is a buy-low. Um, and you Nick try Lodolo? To, what's that? Nick Lodolo, maybe. Sure. Yeah, that could work. Yeah, um, that could, yeah something like that could work. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I, I swear we're not being ageist on this podcast, but the next guy is also <laughs> up there in age, Starling Marte, uh, for me, anyway. I've lowered him. He's 34 years old. I mean, all these guys we're talking about are younger than both of us, so, I mean, we're not we're really not being ageist, but, you know, Mar- Marte, it's nice that he is stealing some bases because um, he only stole 18 last year in 118 games, and he already has seven, um, but he's batting just 239. You know, nearly a career 300 hitter. Um, he's He's... Really good hitter. Maybe just off to a slow start. I like that he's batting, you know, high in that order. Uh, the Mets are a good good team, 
But I just, I don't know. There's just, there's not a lot of power there. Um, I think if you need stolen bases, Marte's fine. But I'm just like, guys like, I know you were, we were considering talking about like a Brandon Nimmo and like a, a mover. Uh, Jeff McNeil, like they have these guys um, who either are really good average guys or like, I think Nimmo might have led the league in runs last year. Marte might get some stolen bases, but like, what else is he going to do for you? So I don't know. I've just, I've, I've gradually just moved guys ahead of him. I don't see him being like a 20 home run guy. Um, maybe he'll be 30 stolen bases. Um, but if he doesn't get the average up, I don't know how much better he's going to be than like a Jose Siri for Tampa, who's now back. So I'm just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just keep lowering him. I think Jose Siri has the upside to be <laughs> Starling Marte, but Starling Marte has been that player multiple times over yeah. the course of his career. And I, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to differ with you on this one for sure. I mean, I know he is 34 years old, but uh, seven steals in 20 games, that's a lot more than a 30 stolen base pace. I mean, like this looks like he could repeat that 47 steals that he had in 2021. Uh, and that wouldn't surprise me because with the new rules, I think that could definitely happen. And, um, you know, 239 batting average, sure. But like his expected average is 269. Uh, he had 292 last year, 310 the year before. Uh, his strikeout rate right now is the lowest of his entire career. His walk rate is the highest of his entire career. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, yes, he's not a, a big home run guy, but you didn't draft him to be a big home run guy. You want 10 to no. 10 to 15 home runs from Starling Marte is more than enough. Uh, when he's going to score a ton of runs and steal a ton of bases and hit for a high average. Now, it hasn't happened with the runs and the average so far, but it's 20 games. You know, I I still think uh, he's a, a solid top 100 kind of a player. Okay, and I think I, I do think if you need stolen bases, he is a nice buy low because I think again, like uh, some of the guys we talked about, like even like a Manny Machado, whoever has that person on their roster is looking at that guy and going, huh. It's off to a slow start. Like they may not want to wait around and see if they bounce back. They might, like you said, they might have another guy who's struggling a little bit, maybe a good player, and they might be up for a trade. Yeah, I would definitely trade Jose Abreu for Starling Marte. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now Glaber Torres is the next name on our list, and I just wanted to put him in here because, like, I, I raised him initially uh, in the rankings because. He got off to a great start, and he's been mm. terrible the last couple of weeks. And I just feel like this is Glaber Torres. Like, he is an <laughs> enigma, you know? The, that is just what he is. He runs hot and cold, uh, and, you know, you can never really believe that the guy you're seeing at any one moment is the true Glaber Torres because uh, it's always going to shift. And um, he had a nice bounce back the year last year, but I don't know. It's two home runs so far this season and 92 plate appearances. Uh, he does have five steals, uh, which is nice, but the uh, batting average is right around what it always is in that 250 range. So um, the hot start has basically been erased by the cold stretch, and we've kind of just gone back to um, sort of, I don't know, the 2021 version of Glaber <laughs> Torres potentially, which uh, isn't very exciting uh, for fantasy. Like you want to see those home runs uh, come back that he that he had last season. Yeah, that's... We do not want to see 2021 Glaber Torres, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about some pitchers, and might as well just start with Nick Lodola, who I've already mentioned a couple times. But, I mean, you, you had a note here, buy low. I, I think he is a buy low. He's he's had 25 and two-thirds innings pitched so far this season, has a couple wins, 37 strikeouts in those innings. And, uh, you know, he's had a couple of rough <laughs> outings at home 
against Tampa and Texas. And, you know, maybe he'll continue to have some rough outings um, at uh, in Cincinnati. We talked about that earlier. But if you want to buy him, I would buy him now <laughs> because he gets to play at Oakland in uh, like four days. So I think he'll look great. It's a great bounce back spot. And I think it's a great time to buy low on Nick Lodolo because he could – and this is someone who could literally lead the league in strikeouts if he can throw – 880 90 innings yeah yeah i agree i um i was gonna say you know i wasn't sure if you were gonna call me on my uh my little victory lap i took last week on nick lodolo over hunter green because now <laughs> i'll suddenly <laughs> nick lodolo's numbers are terrible uh well, but you know I, hunter green uh, he hasn't really been just no i know it's either. more just like he's come down to hunter green's level rather than yeah <laughs> they've really switched places but um no i i mean for me like I still believe in Nick Lodolo. I, uh, I mean, like you said, he's still missing a ton of bats. Um, I, in this day and age of all these um, advanced metrics, and uh, we just have so much data. And I think one, one element of data that we that can be misapplied is um, ex- average exit velocity allowed and things like that. Because um, how predictive is that really? I mean, doesn't that more explain what's already happened than tell us what's going to happen? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, like you said, he's gotten lit up by some pretty good offenses. I mean, I, you know, the Rays are the best offense in baseball right now. The, the, the Rangers were not expected to be one of the best, but they have been one of the best this season. So uh, I, there's no shame in having a few bad outings against some good offenses. Like He's been torched by the home run ball. Uh, over two home runs per nine so far. His BABIP against is 471 right now. Like, I just don't think that's going to continue. I mean, I think that that's kudos to the hitters that he faced. They did a nice job scoring up the ball and hitting off him. I don't think that's a sign that he's going to be a guy who gives up hard contact all the time. I think it's way too early. The sample size is way too small to say something like that about Nick Lodolo. So, um, we know what we know for sure is that he can miss bats with the best of them. And, uh, you know, his walk rate is not great, but it's not, it's not terrible either. Uh, he does play in a band box. So that's the one thing that, you know, he will have some rough starts now and again because of that environment. But, um, yeah, I mean the, the expected ERA, the XFIP are both under four. That's the pitcher you're looking for. You're not looking for a guy who's going to have a 250 ERA in Cincinnati. That's not going to happen. But if he has a 353 to four ERA with huge strikeout numbers, like you'd be happy that you drafted him. Yeah. Well, the next guy on the list, I hadn't moved him down uh, quite as much yet, but I need to. I, need, I probably need to. And uh, by the time we talk next week, uh, I might be moving him down even more if he continues to struggle with the walks. And that's Kodai Singa who had a great debut uh, in Miami, uh, you know, 30-year-old rookie here uh, from overseas. and But the, the problem is he's had three, three, four, four, and four starts walks in each of his uh, four starts. So he's he's averaging almost four walks a game. And, uh, yeah, like he's given up a couple home runs in each of his last two starts as well, like Lodolo. So that's been his bugaboo of late. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, Senga, he's got some nasty stuff. And I think, like, Honestly, I think he could be a buy low too, because like, while the first two starts were against Miami, I think he has good strikeout potential. I think you could get him for pretty cheap, especially now, because I think, you know, whoever his manager is, you know, got him pretty cheap in the draft, and now they're looking at him as a guy who's like, man, I don't know if I can carry this whip. Uh, what's this guy even going to do? I think I think he's worth a speculative trade if you can just get him for on the cheap. I'd say. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it might be too late because he's facing the Nationals tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> by yeah. the time people hear this, um, he, he may be already uh, reviving his value to some extent. Um, I, I, he has had an extremely soft schedule so far. I mean, Miami twice, Oakland, and at San Francisco. I mean, it's it's pretty favorable uh, mm-hmm. setup so far for him. Um, it's always hard to know how to value these guys who are coming from overseas. Like there's just a lot of different ways that it can go, but I, I agree with your main point. Like it's the walks. Like <laughs> if he's going to walk six batters per nine, like he's not going to be successful. So we need to see that, uh, improve drastically. Um, it, but he certainly has a lot of upside with the, uh, with the strikeouts. Yep. All right. Uh, we, we kind of already talked about Ryan Presley. He's a, he's another shaker for us. I think we'll just have to kind of monitor that. If maybe it is an injury, we've seen him have some, I think, knee injuries and stuff in the past. Yep. So hopefully, hopefully it's not an arm. Maybe it's just something that's coming up again, and they'll manage it. But yeah, we we kind of already touched on him. Yeah, I saw he's only had he only has one of the Astros five saves so far this season. So that's wow. got to be a little frustrating if you drafted Ryan Presley. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the last few guys we have on the list are just like some pitchers. I kind of listed them out like maybe some pitchers who you can cut. So some of these guys who, you know, we talked about today, like if you're looking at, you know, if you want to add like an Alex Lang or Brian Abreu, well, you, you're going to have to cut somebody, right? So, you know, I just kind of listed some guys off here. Curious what you think about like a, a Jamison Tyon who's uh, 43% rostered, uh, dealing with an injury right now uh, for the Cubs. Would you hold on to him at 43% rostered or, or just cut him? Or I guess you could stash him <laughs> on the IL. Yeah, depending on how many IL spots you have. I, um, I don't have a problem cutting him, honestly. I, I There's a number of guys on this list, actually, that <laughs> I've never like fully understood the appeal of, and that namely Tyone, Sean Mania, Brady Singer. Uh, these are all guys that certain – they seem to have certain people that love them. <laughs> um, but, like, you just look at the results that these guys have had, and they haven't been that great. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like – yeah. Um, I, you know, when, if, if, if they're dealing with injuries or struggles, like I got, I talked myself into Mania briefly this season cause he was showing improved velocity, but it has not translated into results. Um, so like he's a guy I picked up for one start. It wasn't good. I dropped him. So yeah, I, I think that pretty much all the guys that you mentioned on this list, I mean, you know, Tyler Anderson is not going to strike batters out. And I, I feel like he may have also just kind of been. A product of the Dodgers, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm skeptical on him. Carlos Carrasco is also hurt, and uh, he just hasn't really been the same pitcher for the last couple of years, anyway. So no problem dropping him. Tyler McGill, like I, I, I want to like Tyler McGill. I really do. <laughs> like he's the one name on this list that I feel like I've at times been maybe higher than consensus on, but um, he's been not good his last two times out and. His roster, his his rotation spot is far from assured. Also, so uh, I, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be too uh, concerned about dropping him either. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Tyler Anderson for sure. At 35 percent rostered, that should go down. I mean, I, I agree. I think he's a product of the Dodgers. had had a really good season, and that's kind of it. Like now with the Angels, I think he's really just kind of showing who he is. And I I just wouldn't hang on to a pitcher like that. He's, I think he's going to continue to hurt you. And uh, Brady Singer, yeah, he's still 59% rostered, I think, because he's young. People, I mean, at the end of last season, I remember adding him to the rankings and moving him up because he was looking really good. I'm, I'm, 
I'm now having to sort of rethink and back off him a little bit. I don't know that I would drop him. I think I would just bench him for now, but I could see him going below 50% here after his next start. And Sean Manaya, yeah, if you can't if you can't do it against Detroit and then even the Mets like don't, you know, hit lefties well. I thought maybe he'd have more strikeouts there. He just yeah, he's not getting it done. So, I I wouldn't I basically wouldn't mind dropping any of these guys except I personally might hang on to Singer for another uh outing, but I wouldn't start him there. So, yeah, it's just the Royals don't – I mean, there's not going to be a ton of win potential. They're not a team that has a great track record with developing their pitchers. He's not a big strikeout guy. I don't see a lot of upside. Like, I I see a scenario where he's, like, an okay back-of-the-rotation fantasy starter this year, but, like, I don't think you're really going to miss it. Like, if, if like if you drop him and he ends up uh, being solid, like, it's, it's not going to be the kind of drop you really regret. You know, like, I would gladly drop any of these guys – to add some of those young pitchers we were yeah. talking about at the top, those, you know, guardian pitchers, Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee, Brandon Fott, Mason Miller, Todd Bradley, you know, those sort sure. of guys, like, absolutely would rather have them uh, than anyone on this list. Yep, I would agree with that. And if you look at our rankings on rosrankings.com, you'll see that, like, those guys are all probably well ahead of <laughs> a Brady Singer because they do. They have that upside. And Brady Singer, eh, like you said, probably doesn't. Yep. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it for today's show. Uh, please do go to rrsrankings.com and check out our updated top 500 rest of season rankings on the site. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you have any questions for us, we're always happy to answer your waiver wire questions, your trade questions, what have you. On Twitter, I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.